We're going to read from Exodus chapter 9 and then Revelation chapter 8, please. We're coming today to the first trumpet of the seven trumpets. A couple of weeks ago we looked at at the seven angels, not just ordinary angels, but specially selected angels, the seven angels with this special job, special commission to blow the seven trumpets. So today it's the first trumpet. And Scripture interprets Scripture. Always remember that. I said it on the Thursday night. I'll say it today again. Scripture interprets Scripture. You want to know what Revelation chapter 8 is teaching? Then go back to Exodus chapter 9. It's like a key. You go back from the Old Testament to the New, uh, to the. You go back from the New Testament to the Old Testament. It's like you're taking a key from Revelation eight, and you're going to the lock of Exodus nine, and you're opening it up, and then you begin to understand what Revelation is speaking about. A lot of folk think, "Oh, Revelation! Oh, no!" So hard to understand. Folks, the Holy Spirit has given us the key. And the key is Scripture. So we're going to read from Exodus chapter 9, please. Beginning at verse 18. Behold, tomorrow about this time, I will cause it to rain a very grievous hail, such as hath not been in Egypt, Since the foundation thereof, even until now. Send therefore now and gather thy cattle and all that thou hast in the field. For upon every man and beast which shall be found in the field and shall not be brought home, the hail shall come down upon them and they shall die. He that feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and his cattle flee into the houses. And he that regarded not the word of the Lord left his servants and his cattle in the field. Isn't God good warning the people here? This is the seventh plague of Egypt. The ten plagues. We all, I'm sure, have heard of the ten plagues of Egypt. We did a study on them a few years ago. This is plague number seven. And this is the hail. Same as Revelation chapter 8, the first trumpet, the hail. Make the connection, folks. But isn't isn't God good that he warned the people of Egypt that the hail was coming, that judgment was coming? It's my duty again today to stand here and to tell you, if you're not right with God, that judgment is coming coming upon you. Now, whether you pay any heed to it, that's up to you. But I remember the night that the Lord spoke to me about going into his work, and I was on my knees in a prayer meeting in Five Mile Town. And uh, I sometimes had the habit of, well... 
sometimes whenever you're in a prayer meeting and the devil can make you a wee bit sleepy. You ever find that? You get a wee bit dopey and a wee bit dozy in the prayer meeting. Sometimes to counteract that, I would open my Bible and read just as another believer was praying, but quietly, silently, just open the Bible and read. And I read from Ezekiel chapter 33, Son of man, I have called thee to be a watchman unto the house of Israel. Thou shalt warn them at my mouth. And when the sword comes upon the land, thou hast delivered thy soul, and the blood of the people I'll not require at thy hand. That's what I'm doing today. By God's grace, seeking to obey that command that I received. I'm trying to remember the year. I think it was 1998. Judgment is coming on those on, on those who are not right with God. And the Lord here graciously gives the warning that the judgment is on its way. And he says, flee. Notice we've read that today, flee. That's the word that's used here in Egypt in Exodus chapter 9, flee. The people are to flee before the heel arrives. The message, dear friend, to you today is to flee. You remember John the Baptist? We were thinking about him in the Bible class today. Flee from the wrath to come. Flee. Today, those who are not right with God need to flee. Cry out to the Lord for mercy. Today, not tomorrow. Not this afternoon even, but now, this moment. If you're not right with God and in your heart of hearts you know you're not right with God, cry out to him where you sit just now. You can do it silently in your heart. Or you can even do it audibly. <laughs> Remember a wee man in one of W.P. Nicholson's meetings in the, in the middle of the service, he shouted out, I'll take Jesus if he'll have me. I'll take him if he'll have me. Well, I, Jesus will have anybody. That's the wonder of the gospel. And he'll have you. Your life might be messed up and it's knotted up and it's all over the place. You might feel yourself to be the chief of sinners. But the Lord Jesus came to save the chief of sinners. So you come to him today, for judgment is on the way. We better read on here in Exodus chapter 9, verse 22. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch forth thine hand toward heaven, that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt, upon man and upon beast, and upon every herb of the field, throughout the land of Egypt. So, folks, you can imagine here Moses with the rod. He's like the first angel in Revelation with the trumpet. Same idea. 
And the hail is coming. When Moses lifts the rod in Egypt and the first angel blows the trumpet in Revelation, the hail is on its way. Verse 23, And Moses stretched forth his rod toward heaven. And the Lord sent thunder and hail, and the fire ran along upon the ground, and the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt. So there was hail and fire mingled with the hail very grievous, such as there was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And the hail smote throughout all the land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and beast. And the hail smote every herb of the field, and brake every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, was there no hail. No judgment in Goshen. You see, Goshen is a picture of those who are in Christ. And there's no judgment for those who are in Christ. There's no hail for them. Those whose faith is in Christ are safe from the wrath of God because Christ extinguished the wrath on Calvary. There's no more of it. It's gone forever from the child of God. There's no hail in Goshen. I hope you're in Goshen today, spiritually speaking. I hope you're in Christ. Amen. We will move to Revelation chapter 8, please. A couple of verses that I want to read to you from this chapter. Just two verses. Revelation 8 verse 1. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. Have you ever heard of George Frederick Handel? He wrote the great Messiah, Handel's Messiah. People love to go at Christmas time especially. And to hear the Messiah. And it's based upon the word of God. It was first performed in 1743. In Dublin actually. And then it moved to London. And King George II went to hear the Messiah in London. And when it came to the Hallelujah Chorus. The king stood to his feet. He was so moved by the hallelujahs. And by the way, folks, there's 128 hallelujahs. 128 hallelujahs in the hallelujah chorus. And the king stood, and when the people saw their, their monarch standing, they stood too. Uh, out of reverence and respect... For the, for, for, for the Messiah and the worship that was being offer, offered to him. The hallelujahs. You know, whenever you come to the end of the Messiah, there's a, there's, there's a pause or a rest. I think it's called in music. There's silence. Just before the end of the hallelujah chorus. An amazing, mysterious silence. All the, so many hallelujahs that, that have nearly raised the roof. But then suddenly silence. You could hear a pin drop. 
Do you know what the silence is based upon? Revelation 8 verse 1. That's where Handel, who was a believer by the way, this is the verse that he based the silence during the Hallelujah Chorus. He based it on this text. Silence in heaven for the space of half an hour. Let me read to you verse verse 7. The first angel sounded, and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood. And they were cast upon the earth, and the third part of trees was burnt up, and all green grass was burnt up. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your presence with us today already. Lord, you have been faithful to your promise. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. We have drawn nigh to you, Lord, and we thank you that you have drawn nigh to us. You are here, Lord, to minister your grace, to meet every need. The great physician now is near the sympathizing Jesus. He stoops the drooping heart to, to cheer. Oh, hear the voice of Jesus. Lord, cheer drooping hearts today, we pray. May we hear the voice of Jesus, for it's in his name we ask it. Amen. The rain. I want us to think about that first of all. We all love the rain, don't we? Well, maybe not. We get plenty of it. But I suppose, folks, it would be worse if we got none. There's rain mentioned here in Revelation 8 and verse 7. This first angel blows the trumpet and it says there followed hail and fire mingled with blood. And they were cast upon the earth. <coughs> so there's this rain, <coughs> this combination of hail and fire and blood. And this is obviously no ordinary rain. This is blood rain, we could call. Red rain. There's actually a phenomenon known as blood rain. And apparently it occurs when high concentrations of red colored dust or particles get mixed into rain, giving it a red appearance as it falls. It has happened. Meteorologists have recorded it. This red rain or blood rain has fallen in different places. But this rain that John is writing about here in Revelation, this is, is blood, literal blood that's falling from the skies. This is not just red dust. This isn't dust from some far-off desert that has the appearance of redness. No, this is actually blood that's falling falling from the heavens you see the judgment has begun and the people on planet earth who are experiencing this rain this blood rain 
They have rejected the gospel. All the Christians are in heaven. They're all away home. They've been raptured. The people who have heard the gospel and have rejected it are still on the earth. And it's too late now. Jesus of Nazareth has passed by. The opportunity to be saved has gone forever. There's only judgment ahead. Forever and forever. The Lord pours out his wrath upon the earth, upon Christ rejectors. God forbid that there should be a Christ rejector in the service this morning. It doesn't really matter if you reject your minister. Not make any difference at the end of the day what you think of your pastor. It doesn't really matter what you think of the church or if you reject the church. But it does matter if you reject Christ. It does matter what you think of him. And so this, this blood rain falls from the skies. wonder why God is raining blood upon the earth. wonder why that should be. wonder, is it because of all the blood of the unborn that has been shed down through the centuries of history? Right from the days of Moloch, whenever the, the Canaanites worshipped their demon god Moloch and brought the little babies to the red-hot furnace and threw the little babies into the furnace to be burned alive. Some kind of religion, that. But Moloch is still alive and well today. You just... You find them in a different place. You find them in an abortion clinic today. Demanding the blood of the preborn. Forty-one million every year on planet Earth. Butchered. Butchered in their mother's womb. Not only slaughtered and butchered, murdered in cold blood, these little image bearers of the Almighty, but then these little ones are taken and their little organs are harvested. I wonder maybe is that why the blood is falling from the skies during the Great Tribulation? Payday someday, isn't that what people talk about? This is payday for those who have shed innocent blood, the innocent blood of the little ones. Oh, I wonder, is the blood falling from the skies because of the blood of the martyrs that has been shed? Latimer, Ridley, Cranmer, Huss, 
the martyrs in recent times in Nigeria, North Korea, the martyrs of the Second World War, murdered by Hitler and his fascists, the martyrs of 2021, who are still being slaughtered across the globe in Afghanistan, places like that today. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. And he will repay sooner or later. Mark my words. The blood of the unborn has been shed. The blood of the martyrs has been shed. And the Lord says, well, what goes around comes around. And the red rain here, the blood is cast upon the earth. A reminder to these evildoers of the, of the innocent blood that they have shed. And those who have aided and abetted them in their crimes. Ah, but folks, is, is it not the case that this blood is being rained down upon the earth because the blood of Christ was shed upon it? And I want to tell you that the Lord will not always let the devil have his way on the planet where the blood of his son was shed. The lion of the tribe of Judah put down a marker at Calvary when his precious blood flowed from his body and it stained the old rugged cross and it fell at the foot of the cross the Lion of Judah was marking his territory and he was saying, I'll be back. I'm coming back for my property someday. The blood of Christ shed and if the Saviour and when the Saviour returns, should I say, there are men who would love to shed his blood again. But they're not going to be able to do it. That's the, that's the good news. I remember seeing a, one atheist in a particular march, a particular protest. And he's holding up a placard. If Jesus returns, kill him again. If Jesus returns, kill him again. They're going to have bother doing it. In fact, it's impossible. They're not going to do it. It's not going to happen. Uh, he's coming back. But his blood will never be shed again. That precious blood that men have trampled upon. Oh, God forbid there's anybody in new buildings trampling on his blood today. How do you trample on his, on his blood well, all you have to do is just reject his offer of mercy. There's a warning in the book of Hebrews chapter 10 about this. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. <clears throat> Here you have the person who rejects Christ and their Counting the blood an unholy thing. Treating the blood of Jesus as something that's 
ordinary, treating it in an irreverent way, not giving it the value that it deserves that's due to it, treating it as a common thing. But dear friends, I want to tell you the blood of Jesus is not a common thing. It's not an ordinary thing. It's the most precious substance in, in heaven and earth. One drop of it is worth more than heaven and earth. Don't trample upon it. Come to it today. Come and plunge in that fountain today. Just as the hymn writer said, come to this fountain so rich and sweet. Cast thy poor soul at the Saviour's feet. Plunge in today and be made complete. Glory to his name. It's raining in Revelation chapter 8. And it's blood. It's not water that's falling, but blood. Fearful, isn't it, folks? Are you starting to get worried? If you're not a Christian, if you're a backslider, you ought to be worried. And if you are worried and concerned, I want to tell you that's, that's a good sign. And all you got to do is just flee to Christ. And he'll take your concern away, your worry away. And he'll give you his perfect peace. It's good to have peace in these days. Then the grass is referred to here as the... As the angel blows the trumpet, there's not only this blood rain, but there's grass. The first angel sounded and there followed hail, fire mingled with blood. So that's kind of like a mirror image of the seventh plague in Egypt. The only difference is the blood is added here. But moving on, it speaks of of the grass. All green grass was burnt up. Notice the end of the verse. The green grass was burnt up. This is symbolic here, folks. Grass in Scripture is a symbol of man in his frailty and weakness. If you don't believe me, reach for your key. Take your key to Isaiah chapter 40. All flesh is grass, and all the goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. And when John, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit here in Revelation, speaks of the grass being burnt up, he's speaking about men, evil men, unconverted men, men who are out of Christ. Our religious men and religious men, atheists, agnostics, whoever, church-going people, the fearful, the unbelieving, the liars, the abominable, sorcerers, whoremongers. These people are, are, are referred to here when it talks of the grass being burnt up. The fire of judgment, the fire of God's anger falls upon those who have uh, shook their puny fists in his face. Those who have trampled on the blood of his son. Fire falls and consumes the grass, consumes these 
enemies of the cross. Then the trees are spoken of here. Trees. Again, it's symbolic. Grass is a symbol of man in his frailty and weakness. Trees are a symbol of man rising up in his pride and independence of God. We think of Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 4. And again, we're taking the key of Scripture. Scripture interprets Scripture. What are the trees in Revelation 8 referring to? Take your key and go to Daniel chapter 4. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth, and the height thereof was great. Speaking of King Nebuchadnezzar and his pride. And you see, Nebuchadnezzar, he he looked around Babylon one day and he said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built? For the house of the kingdom, by the might of my power, and for the honor of my majesty. Boy, Nebuchadnezzar is lifted up with pride like a tree. A great, the, the psalmist in Psalm 37 speaks of a, a green bay tree spreading itself. That's the picture of Nebuchadnezzar here. Spreading himself like a, a bay tree, like a grape tree. Full of pride, haughtiness. But then the Lord humbled him. And it's a wonderful thing when the Lord humbles a person and he brings them to a place where they recognize their need of him. And the Lord, the, the Lord has many ways of humbling people. Sickness is one of his instruments. When you're laid aside, you've got time to think. Time to think about the things that really matter. The Lord took Nebuchadnezzar's health from him. He went insane. He lost his mind. He was mentally broken. Mentally unstable. But through it all the Lord brought him to himself. And today Nebuchadnezzar's in heaven. And at the end of Daniel chapter 4. This is what Nebuchadnezzar said. Here's his testimony if you like. Now I Nebuchadnezzar praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. All whose works are truth and his ways judgment. And those that walk in pride he is able to abase. John the Baptist, we're back to him again. Seems to be a theme this morning in the Bible class. And earlier on referred to flee from the wrath to come. The words of John. In Matthew chapter 3 we read other words of John. And now also the axe is led onto the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. That's what happens in Revelation 8 and verse 7 when the first trumpet sounds. These trees on planet earth, not literal trees, but but these people who have rebelled against God and have hated Christ all their lives, 
and have lived as if he doesn't exist. Things are different now. God has, uh, has said enough is enough. And he sends the fire of judgment upon them. And the trees are burnt up, it says. It says that one third part of the trees was burnt up. So not only the grass is burnt, but the trees is burnt. All these spiritual peacocks on planet earth, strutting around, full of pride, holier than thou, refusing to humble themselves at the foot of the cross and acknowledge their need of the blood of the Lamb. Now the the wrath has come, the judgment has come. And someday, folks, the fire will burn up the proud trees, I can assure you. And someday, as it were, just as John spoke about, the Lord Jesus will take the, he'll take the axe, as it were, or the hatchet, isn't that what we call it in our culture? The Lord will take the hatchet to the root of the tree, to the person who has heard the gospel but has rejected it, Time and time again, and the Lord will say, time to chop the tree down. And when the tree is cut down, that's the end of it. And where the tree falls, that's the way it lies. That's it forever and ever, for eternity. What an awful thought that men and women are going to be cut down someday. And it'll be too late. Too late, too late shall be the cry. Jesus of Nazareth has passed you by. The first angel sounded. You heard the warning voice today? May the Lord use the warning voice as it goes forth from the pulpit this morning. As it goes out on the CDs, as it goes out... And Sermon Audio, may God use the warning voice to rescue some soul. That some soul may kneel in humility at the feet of the risen Christ. But I wonder, will you do that in the service today as we finish? You need to be a good camel today. What do I mean? Well, camels apparently... Camels kneel every evening to be relieved of their burdens. Do you want to be relieved of the burden of sin? Kneel at the cross. Let me at thy throne of mercy find a sweet relief. Kneeling there in deep contrition, help my unbelief. Saviour, saviour, hear my humble cry. While another's dark calling, do not pass me by.